0: Welcome to the Playbook for Results, getting a grip on growing your business podcast. If you're looking for coaching and content proven to get you and your team to the top of their game, you've come to the right place. Grab your team or huddle with them after the podcast and get ready for your host and his invited guests to get you out of your comfort zone and into the growth zone. And now, here is your host, Edward Preston, VP of Revenue Creation, and Cesar Cabadoy, CEO of Playbook for Results. All right, get ready to be informed and transformed by your virtual coaching and value creation specialists as they set the stage for you to perform at the top of your game.
1: Greetings to all in the land of milk and money. My name is Edward Preston, AKA EP. Now is the time to tune out all the distractions and tune in to some stimulating ideas, tools, and tips that we will put on the table for leaders and sales professionals that are looking to get to the top of their game. Ladies and gentle friends, thank you for joining me on this journey that we call getting a grip on selling. Joining me on the show today is my wingman, the Oz behind playbooks for results, my zing when I Mr. C-level himself, the czar, Mr. Caesar Cavadoy.
2: Caesar, good day, sir.
1: Hey, good day to you too. This is exciting. Pretty exciting stuff, man, right? We're finally uh, doing something we've been talking about doing for a long time.
2: For a little bit, yeah. I trust that this is gonna be some great content For the guest, and they'll walk away from this with a lot of application, and also more importantly, with a lot of thoughts in terms of how they're doing things. Look, this is there's a reason why we call this the challenge zone, or what we call the growth zone. Really, we want to make sure that uh, they walk away with something that will challenge them, and then also uh, set the stage for them to grow positively.
1: Precisely. Well, allow me to set the table for today's episode. I know the title is probably going to capture a lot of attention, especially since this movie, this big big blockbuster, was supposed to. To roll here in about three weeks. And what am I talking about? Of course, I'm talking about Top Gun. You know, here's the deal. You know, it's appropriate, right? Because there's a lot of analogies in the sales world, uh, the world of sales, when we're talking about Top Gun. You talk about those that are Mavericks, those that are Iceman. What's the difference? What's the analogy? How, how many similarities can we use in the world of selling? And with, you know, those two characters, if you will, uh, there's so much to talk about. And, you know, before we jump into this analogy, I want to ask you, Caesar, what are the top three sales movies of all time? Time. And a side note, movies that get you motivated. Um, you know one of my personal favorites from way back in the day uh, was a boiler room Of course Wolf on Ra- Wall Street was a good one and then the old classic Glengarry Glenn Ross Give it to us. what are your top three sales movies? I gave you a few there that are not so much for inspiration and motivation but good motivating movies and probably tie in with Top Gun is my guess, but I'd like to hear your top three.
2: Sure, absolutely. So first, going back to those three movies, right? Those three movies, and I got to say that I I have watched Two out of the three. I'm not a big Wolf on Wall Street because it's first of all just a retelling of Boiler Room from a different perspective, a little bit more closer to the character. It's not. I, I'm kind of a rated G, PG type of guy, and the language that is in that movie is is just not my cup Definitely of tea. Definitely not Disney. No, right? it's not. <laughs> but that being said, you know, here's the thing: the type of people that we want to set the stage for to get to the top of their game are the sales professionals that have long careers, not the ones that end up in jail. Uh, so right. I, I, I'll say that. The <laughs> Second thing is, I love the movie Top Gun, and I didn't really go into this career as a player and then also a sales coach and consultant now in terms of revenue creation and value creation, thinking that Top Gun was a sales movie. But as I started to kind of peel it back a little bit more when I first started getting into sales, I thought it was just a perfect backdrop. So um, we'll get into uh, the the difference between Maverick versus Iceman and how the movie, to me, Top Gun, is one of my top three all-time greatest sales movies. The other three are also coincidentally Tom Cruise movies. And my number one greatest of all time sales movies is, ready? Drum roll? Do we get a drum roll? No drum roll is uh, a few good men. Oh, awesome okay? movie. a few good men. If you really start to peel back, first of all, the writing is tremendous, but yeah. and the acting too. I mean, you got Jack Nicholson, you got Kevin Bacon, you got all these Oscar winners, Moore. Demi Moore like these, 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 these heavyweights are coming on board and they're basically doing this they're building a case for why their mm-hmm. side. And that's really what a sales professional does is you're gathering evidence and you're building a case. This particular case, the Tom Cruise character like he's got some impossible odds and the greatest moment for me was when kevin bacon's character actually delivers his opening statement and it's almost one of these things where like you know you're going up against someone it's indisputable that's what he says like these facts are indisputable and they're going right. to try to throw all this stuff at you and they're going to razzle dazz you with terms like code red right. that, that's exactly what salespeople face every single day all this yep. noise, all this clatter, but in the end, he actually, he actually wins. And then the other sales movie that's a Tom Cruise movie is Jerry Maguire. I mean, if you can't get excited when Dickie Fox comes out, you know, Jerry Maguire's original mentor comes out and says everything that he says throughout the movie. But the last line he goes, Hey, I love my life. I love my wife and I wish you my kind of success. That's just a capper for me. That's awesome. But there's yeah. stuff throughout the entire movie that you can just glean, uh, just great opportunities to, to apply what real sales professionals do and and really the whole theme of it is let's focus in on what the client really wants and need uh they don't want a need for us to go and figure out how to blackmail them and that's that was the antagonist in the jay moore character versus yes. what jerry mcguire really wanted to do like i, I love really the end provide... of the movie yeah i love the end of the movie yeah
1: if you don't have it in here <laughs> you can't have it in here right yeah. <laughs> or is it the other way around i can't remember how he did it but right. it's a classic and of yeah. course you know you've got uh, Cuba. Show me the money! Right. It seems like to be all the all of everyone's sales director or your VP calling you every week. Show me the money! Show me the PO right. is what we're saying now to to individuals in the procurement. <laughs>
2: But yeah, Top Gun good. is is a great sales movie because it does really bifurcate, you know, the sales world for us perfectly in terms of there's Mavericks and there's Iceman. I suppose you can always throw in, hey, there's gooses out there. But the two main characters, right, clearly, I think, show what types of sellers we have. We have those that fly by the seat of their pants and they're creating inconsistent results based on their natural instinct and intuition. But sometimes, as the main character is told, right, Maverick is told, uh, your body's writing checks. It can't count. And we find salespeople, unlike sales professionals, and there's a clear distinction there in terms of our world that we live in Playbook for Results, but sometimes they, they bite off more than they can chew They're because they're hotheads. They're reactionary, right? And that's what makes them really, really good in terms of a dogfight. But when you look at the actual overall war, not just the battle, they, they don't really have long-term careers. Icemen, however, are the ones that do it right every single time. Do you remember Goose's quote when he talks to Maverick about who Iceman is? He said all right. Bring me back. all right, he said you want to know who the best is? That's him, Iceman. It's the way he flies, ice cold, no mistakes. That's like right. you want to be that guy that everyone doesn't want to go up against. That's the type of person that we are setting the stage for. Our our top of your game program is designed to make sure that we can take the best of the best. And here's the other reason why I love the movie. There's a lot of methodologies out there. I mean, look, you, you name them, whether it's solution selling, whether it's spin selling, whether it's challenger sales, it, there's there's a myriad of programs. I mean, hundreds of programs that have been introduced over the last 30 plus years that say, hey, we're going to be able to do this. And here's the here's the issue with that. If you, is if you look across history, a lot of these programs haven't had the the impact that companies expected them to have the impact is short lived mm-hmm. here's the other thing from a playbook perspective it forces companies to go away from the number one rule in culture management which is high performing teams all have to come from the same playbook it was true in top gun and it's true in in terms of high performing teams you don't want a hothead that just does whatever they want and you can't rely on whether or not they're going to be your wingman or not right okay so so pause on that yeah Let's talk about
1: the sales team and here you are as a business owner or as a sales leader, as you're building your team, are you going out and looking for the Mavericks or are you out there looking for the Iceman? Like talk out loud about like, what's the pros and cons? Or do you like say, Hey, I don't want any Mavericks. Those are the egos. Those are the guys that want to not only get to club, but to tell everybody, Hey, did you see me up on the stage? I'm the one that got the best. Did you see that number at the top? That's me. Yeah, we know, we saw, but you know, you don't have to tell everybody. Is that a maverick? Do we want those? Do you want those people as a sales leader? Or are you trying to avoid those? Because those can be the cancer to the rest of the team. Or like, so I want to kind of get your feedback on that. Because at the end of the day, the two things that they both have in common is that they're both there at Top Gun School. They're both, they're both A players. So what well, we're trying to do is we're trying to divide the A players almost, but the A player Maverick might actually not be an A player because he's he or she is taking these high risks, right? So,
2: so like let, me, you said let me earlier. Let me the wingman is consistent. Let me remind people and you, right? That Maverick wasn't supposed to be there. Good Cougar point. dropped out. That's a good right? point. <laughs> Cougar dropped out. Maverick was not the best of the best. Cougar dropped yeah. out. Now you're in, right? Um, yep. so, so he wasn't supposed to be there. When we talk best of the best, like even when we look at an organization and we go through our process that we take companies through to determine whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze, do we want to invest in these players or these players? We have to look at a list of criteria and attributes that say, here's who your top performers are, not based on subjective criteria, based on objective criteria. And this is the line in cement. We're not crossing that line. If you want people to be able to go through the top of your game program, then they have to meet the criteria. No ifs, ands, or buts, right. right? We don't have the Hollywood version where people who drop out, that means that the person that should have been or, or that didn't get in, we automatically slide the criteria to allow them in. They don't get in. Back to your question. Do you want more Mavericks? Or do you want more Icemen? And, and the short answer is it depends. It depends what kind of product or solution you're selling. If it's a transactional, commoditized product, why not have a bunch of Mavericks and all they're going to do is run a numbers game? They're going to fly Deploy. by the seat of their pants. They're going to do whatever they want. It's going to be a nightmare to, you know, to kind of manage. And you're not going to really see long term sustainable growth. You're going to see a lot of attrition. You're going right. to see a lot of conflict which may or may not be a good thing, depends on the environment that you have. But if you want predictable, stable, scalable, sustainable results month after month, year after year, history, stats, and facts, who cares what I have to say? History, stats, and facts says you want more Iceman versus Maverick. By the way, does that mean that you can't have a Maverick on your team? Of course not, right? Yeah. They add color, they add Something to the competitive environment that you're they not gonna actually, get from anything else,
1: right? Yeah, they can actually inject some energy into the culture. Absolutely.
2: And yeah, when the whole
1: team, let's say, you know, you're low on the number, there's an outside chance, there's this one big deal that not only the whole company needs, but that individual's looking for. There's all, all sorts of different examples. But let me let me make a tweak on the question. Yep. Rather than the differential between or the uh, the, the decision between the maverick and the iceman, let's take it another way. A players and B players. Yeah. Do you want to try to go out and build this team and hire on a bunch of A players? I know that there's a number of sales leaders I've come across that actually fear that. They feel like they're at risk of their job being taken over, which I know you and I are on the same page here. No, you need those A players to make you look good at the end of the day. And I, I don't know. I don't understand why people get that backwards. Why would you just go out and get a bunch of B players when the bees can easily slip to a sea, they, they need inspiration and motivation. And if they're not getting it from you, who are they getting it from? So what's your take on that?
2: So let's also, again, you know, I, I've been accused of being... Too black and white there's no real gray areas and the reason i'm very black and white i talk about line and cement versus line in the sand is because i take the approach that anyone would take who actually cares about growing their clients business when it comes to setting the stage for someone to perform i care sometimes more than the actual player themselves and that's why i don't i don't allow for exceptions and so when we talk about a player versus b player that's such a nebulous idea For a lot of Mm -hmm. leaders, because when I ask them, well, what's the difference between a B player and an A player? They can't really tell me. They throw out stuff that they've just, you know, come up with on the spot. I can tell you what an A player is because I've studied them for 20 years. I know specifically what types of attitudes they need to have, I know specifically what type of abilities they need to have, what type of conditions they operate best in, and what type of skill sets, at a bare minimum, they bring to the table. Then you get to the B player and you say, "All right, what's a B player? Let's just look at it objectively. If an A player has 90% of the attitude, aptitude, conditions, and skills based on this profile that has been created, a list of attributes, then what would a B player be? Someone that has, at bare minimum, 80% of those. A C player would be someone that has a bare minimum of 70%. You know, We talk about top of the leaderboard versus top of your game, and when I sit down with an A player, or any player for that matter, and we've done these workshops over the last 12 years in front of tens of thousands of people, I ask this question. Who here feels that they're at the top of their game? And you always get that chucklehead that raises your hand. (laughs) I feel like you're the type of guy that would be like, I'm at the top of my game, and I'd bring you up on stage, and I'd say, All right, EP, why are you at the top of your game? And you'd say something like, well, because I was number one on the leaderboard for the last four years running. My customers love me. It's all subjective because when I start to drill down on you, which I do in front of groups, and start to ask, look, what percentage of the customers that you created last year gave you referrals? And you probably come back and say, well, 20%. Well, 20% at any learning institution across the country, and that's the average, by the way, right? The average for top performers. Most people don't even get referrals, but the average for top performers is 20%. You might once in a while get this person that's really good at asking for referrals and they're at 40%, 50%. But still, what is 50%? It's an E. It's failing. That's yeah. not top of your game. And then you'll might you might get the person that's like just just to challenge you they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm 80% or I'm 100%." Every single person that I conducted business with last year gave me a referral. Great. What percentage of those referrals did you actually close? A hundred percent, exactly. I was right? gonna say, Yeah, and
1: to get that eighty percent, let's talk about how you actually achieve that. It's always kind of like asking the cook, "What's the what's in the actual recipe?" And, and sometimes they can't answer that. The right. reality is because they're a maverick, they got lucky, they got a bluebird. You know, that's how they kind of end up there.
2: Okay, let's take it a step well, further. Well, let me let me add one more thing because here's okay, the other. Because you might be thinking, okay, what about if you got that rare individual yeah. who says? i got 100 referrals and 100 closing ratio on all those referrals because the data shows that when you get a referral you have a higher closing percentage but let's Absolutely. just say it was there a hundred for you know a hundred percent hundred percent are they at the top of their game
1: no, yeah not unless they're closing it not not on that criteria
2: no let's say they closed a hundred percent of them and got a hundred percent referrals are they at the top of their game something tells me this is a <laughs> Gosh, story. I know look, you got me. Was, I want to say yes. Look, this is why I love a few good men because this is one of the keys to being a top sales professional. Yeah. You never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to or that you can't defend, right? Good you point. you answer that question you said, "Yeah, they're at the top of the game. I'm going to excoriate you. I'm going to I'm going to crucify yeah. you right now." But no, but not yeah. not really. Look, I if you're really good at connecting the dots, bridging the gap between what a customer wants versus what they need, and you've got stuff on their, on your shelf that helps them with their goals and objective, and you've done that in such a way that's of massive benefit to your customer, why would you stop at them giving you just one referral? Guys, why wouldn't get. you get yeah. as yeah. many referrals as possible? Right. So don't Turn tell me that you got one show. referral per right. one customer. Right. I right. want to hear that you got eight. 10 15. I, you're at the top of your game when you can come back and say I closed 20 deals last year and got 500 referrals. I was that good yeah right but yeah. then we'll just go on to another criteria and I'll say yeah. okay how many of those referrals and customers that you got were were your ideal prospect? See, there's always criteria that we can focus on so we can have an objective standard yep. that we can go for when it comes to are you a top sales professional or are you just a salesperson? Right. Are you a maverick or are you an Iceman? Are you an A player or are you a B player? That's a great descriptive. I,
1: I'm thinking right now, got a couple of guys in, in, in my circle uh, that have been, you know, what they do. For, one's actually a lawyer, uh, and the other one is in life insurance. What they both have in common is they've both been doing what they are doing today for 20 years plus. Neither one of them does any marketing. And these guys are living a great lifestyle, great families, uh, doing very well for themselves. And I always talk to them about, hey, how's business? And they always say the same thing. So busy, so buried. Why is that? It's not because they got this new advertisement that's out there. It's not that they have this $20,000 monthly budget on marketing. It's because they've got so many people called customers that continue to refer more business to them because they're taking care of their customers. That's all part of post-selling as you're talking about. All right, let's go one layer deeper and talk about DNA. Let's talk about the DNA. Now, that's, like, that's an acronym, and I know you're a huge fan of, of acronyms. So, Caesar, of those three, this is the million-dollar question for you. How many of those three can be taught? Because, you know, I I talk to a lot of people and we talk about, you know, some of the best sales people that are out there. Um, It's not that they're selling, it's just that they're good storytellers or they're good educators, they're good teachers, they're good relationship builders. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. But can you actually teach that DNA for somebody that doesn't quite have it? Or does everybody have it? And it's a matter of you as a coach, you as a mentor, Kind of going in and grabbing and making some tweaks to help them get the best out of themselves to see if they can rise up and be at a Top Gun status.
2: So go back to what it is that we do, right? We are specialists when it comes to building profitable revenue and the value creation process. Making sure that we can actually set the stage for companies to differentiate what they do versus all of their competitors in their marketplace. Setting the stage for a player to perform, it requires that they really have what we call a conscious competency in terms of what they do. Because if we want to scale revenue for a corporation, you got to go back to the people. How are the people aiding in that process? And generally, when you have a lot of mavericks, it's a lot of the ups and downs of selling. So then what happens? You get the ups and downs of sellings. The revenue isn't being produced consistently. So you go to sales enablement. Well, sales enablement doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get profitable revenue. It should, but it hasn't. And now you're starting to see chief revenue officers because the sales enablement piece is just one one component of it right right now when we talk about dna you start off with determination determination without a destination is just a lot of activity without accomplishment that's the a part of getting a grip on selling activity with results versus activity without accomplishment so is that a skill set. Someone could be unbelievably determined, have unbelievable, t- you know, tenacity, but if if they don't get coached in terms of how to use that, they're just going to be spinning in circles. We go to natural ability. We talk about the attributes that are necessary that embody the top sales professionals across history, regardless of industry, regardless of circumstances, economic conditions, etc. And there's five top attributes five top abilities if you don't come to the table with those five top abilities and i'll share a few uh empathy uh natural curiosity if you don't have those look one out of 10 people in this country isn't a sales related role yeah 80 of them are terrible at it
1: okay yeah, i mean think about what you just said if you don't have empathy what's the opposite opposite of empathy arrogant and nobody likes an arrogant sales guy yeah i mean you're gonna be run right out of the room so i love that one so Keep going.
2: So think about that. You have a natural ability to be empathetic. You have a natural ability for curiosity. Uh, mm. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be using it in the right way. I, I like to look at like like the jazz greats. You had people with unbelievable natural ability. They still needed to learn how to harness that natural ability. They needed to learn how to use what they do instinctively and intuitively to gain a conscious competency so they can do it intentionally and infuse it in, at the right time throughout the relationship building process so it actually has the right type of... With impact. If you engage your empathy skills too early, it could come off as kind of creepy. If you engage your natural curiosity skills way too early or, or or perhaps too late, it also could derail the opportunity. Then we get to the last piece, which is accountability. And some people just don't know what numbers to look at. It's following the right metrics. I, I go back to um, as a executive coach. One of the things that I actually talk to people about is their personal goals and objectives, because really that's why we work. I always. I, I I always say this to leaders, I go, if you don't know what your people's, your sales professionals, personal, top personal, long-term, mid-term, and short-term objectives are, then it's no wonder that your sellers are not concerned about your customers' top yeah, organizational goals and objective. You're modeling you're the, the wrong page. thing for them. It's about yeah. what's on their shelf, not what's on your shelf. What right. is a priority for them? And so, in my executive engagements, I talk to executives that are running a business, running a division, and we first we start off with the personal. Anyway, the reason I went there is because one of the things that they talk about is, well, you know, I'm, I don't have energy. I have this. I go, could it be health related? <laughs> yeah, you know, I put on a couple of lbs, this that, and the other, and I go, okay, so what have you done about it? Because your you're distracted over here by a lack of energy. You want to do all these things and you've got poor execution, and there's this distraction over here. And as a coach, our role is to set the stage for the player to perform, identifying the obstacles and removing the blind spots, and then also helping them to think well. That's our role. It's threefold, right? So, I have, have to, to break ha- a wall down. That's yeah. what you're basically trying to do. Yeah. yeah. I have to I have to say, okay, if these are the distractions that are preventing you from doing what you know you need to do. And we've identified this is the right game plan, yep. but this is a distraction. One of them is health. And and, and uh, they go, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm on a weight loss program. I've done weight loss. I go, well, that's, th- that's the thing. Going back to accountability. You're keeping account of the wrong thing. Who cares about weight? Two people could be 160 pounds. One is healthy. One is not. Weight is a poor indicator. My point right. is that you have to make sure that you're actually going after the right Metric and the right goal. So, what I always do is change the goal. Remember, the goal shouldn't be for sellers to get to the top of the leaderboard. The goal should be to get to the top of your game. And if that's the goal, See how the metrics change, right? It's no longer about you doing a lateral comparison to everyone else in the organization. Now it's like golf. Now you're competing against yourself. Now you're looking at metrics saying, how many referrals did I get last year? So that accountability piece has a lot to do with the goal and acknowledging and now addressing the fact that your metrics have to change. The goal shouldn't be, I want to lose weight. The goal should be, I want to get a grip on my health and wellness or my health and fitness. I've got a program, we call it Reset or Resets, And it's an acronym, just like all the other programs, that focuses people on the top areas across history that people that have a grip on their health and wellness focus on. And it's a whole different set of metrics than, hey, I just want to drop a couple LBs. Yeah, you know,
1: um, I'm thinking as you're describing the metrics, um, I'm thinking about, you know, in the sales world, there's QBRs, right? Quarterly business review. And uh, here we are at the beginning of June. So if your first quarter started in May... May, June, July. Right about now, or you should have already had or you're having right now your quarterly business review. Question, is your review reviewing what you did last quarter, A? B, reviewing what you're going to do this quarter and forward? Or C, both? Now, my opinion on this is... There really is no wrong or right answer. I like C personally. I like to have like you know you got 30 minutes up on, in front of your peers. Uh, take five to seven minutes and talk about the review. Make it quick. It's overdone. We don't care about what you did so much. We care about what we, a business owner, business leader, we care about what you're going to do now and in, in, into the end of the year. But most importantly, here's the, here's the dropout, Caesar. Uh, the dropout, and you and I talk about this often. The follow through. The accountability for what he or she is up there talking about that they're going to do, it's usually like surface stuff, such as I'm going to have three on-site visits this this quarter. Um, I'm going to try to close my first six-figure deal this quarter, or maybe it's a seven-figure deal. I'm going to try to establish three new partners this quarter. I'm going to try to close seven deals, which is you know, beating my last quarter by by two, whatever it might be. The problem is, how, how deep are you going to actually describe how you're going to do that? We all have accountability, right? As a sales rep, I would be accountable to my first line manager. As a manager, I'm accountable to my director or my VP. As a VP, I'm accountable to a C level. As a C level, who am I accountable, Caesar? To, to the, the board. board. Right. Right. The investors. And listen, if you are a CEO of a small company, you're and you don't have a board. Well, you're still accountable to that thing over there called your family, right? you got to put some bread and butter on the table. And if you're a single guy or a single gal and you don't think you have to worry about that, well, you're accountable to yourself unless you want to go move back in with mom and dad and continue to live that lifestyle. And if you do, hey, all the power to you. But we're talking about Top Gun here. We're talking about being an Iceman. And make it to a level where you can hit some consistent base hits, not be that person swinging for the fences, the maverick, every single time because they have lots of strikeouts. How are you going to get to your number? Think about what's happening right now outside the window right now. Outside the door in the real world. There's lots of companies that are load. There's lots of companies that have laid off. There's lots of companies that have had to fire some people. One of my buddies just sent me a screenshot of a, a restaurant here in Southern California that he went to last night. And he's like, hey, the restaurants are opening up, up again. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, how, it, it's bittersweet. It's, it's, it's sweet that, okay, it, it's time. We can go out now. You know, they're outdoor restaurants. But it was bitter because I was looking at the restaurant and looking at how the staff there, the people there, um, it's like 20-25% capacity. How sad that those people that are there have to work uh, more. So, you, you know, what a lot of businesses right now are trying to get is more with less. How do you keep your people motivated? I mean, they're motivated that they have a job. But how do you get them to get the most productivity out of them if there's somebody that just doesn't have the the will to, to give that to you? Um, and that's something that I think... You know, getting back to the DNA, you're, some, some of these things you're either born with or not, Caesar. And I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I feel sometimes that, you know, you just, you, you can teach people so much. And, you know, we're talking about the determination. I think that it's not so much uh, determining. I think that everybody has like a key inside It just needs to be unlocked sometimes. And maybe they don't have the determination because the team that they're on, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of people that are just Debbie Downers. You follow me on that? So, and then maybe with the natural ability, they have it. They just haven't had anybody inspire them to actually get it out of them. How do you feel about
2: that? So I would say, let's just focus in on the the whole idea of determination. Someone is determined. Would you say that they would allow any condition or circumstance to get in their way?
1: No. I mean, if you're trying to... Uh, Not trying, you know, Right.
2: Make, Go, let's go back to our to our Yoda philosophy. There is no trying. There's do or not yeah. do. So, thinkers are doers, man. I'm right, a doer. I'm yeah, doing what the
1: thinkers are thinking
2: about. So uh, uh, my my daughter, who got me out of doing this the first time. I mean, I I did this for ten years. I love coaching and consulting. I came home one day after seventy flights a year, leaving on a Sunday, coming back on a Friday. My wife said, "Your youngest daughter, who was eleven at the time, wants to know why dad has to travel so much." And I determined that. I now need to find something that does not have me doing as much as I was doing in terms of travel. That was a really, really tough thing to do. Especially, we work our entire careers to find that one thing that we absolutely are passionate about. We have a level of proficiency around that ultimately allows us to discern that this is our God-given purpose. And that is this for me. And so to have to walk away from that because I was more determined to be present with my family based on this comment that my wife got from my youngest daughter. And it wasn't just the comment. It was what she was doing. I mean, talk about the apple not falling far from the tree. I'm a pretty determined person, but I'm determined to go after a destination after discernment. But uh, here's here's the thing. Once I have discerned that this is the right place to go, then I kick in the determination. Most people don't work that way. And that's why the word determination has been somewhat watered down. Like if you know that this is where you go, you get there. Yeah. And this is what my daughter did to rebel against dad that wasn't home enough for her. She became a Republican. She became a Redskins fan. She picked up trumpet, which is a instrument that I was starting to learn how to play at the time. She decided to become a marathon runner at 11, just like dad was when he was 21. This is how my kids rebel against me. They just figure out, With their natural instinct and intuition, how can I draw my dad closer to a relationship with me? And I got to tell you that that kid not only determined to run her first marathon, but she determined to get what they call through this program the Legacy Award, which was to run three within three years. That's awesome. And she did it. And I got to tell you, it's not just a matter of just going out there and starting to run. It's corralling a lot of resources. It's convincing people that you're into this. I have never seen a more determined kid than that kid when she was going after her marathon. Actually, that kid also went after her black belt when she was like six to the age of like nine. And that's why I talk about it's like determination. Let's yeah. not water it down. You're either determined yeah. or you're not determined.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? You know, let me give you another another great story since we're sharing kids' stories here. So, literally this morning, I'm dropping my, my son off at a skateboard park. And on the way over there, he was talking about. Uh, how he can spend eight hours at this park. And the reason why is because once he actually learns a trick, he wants to continue to do that trick. And he actually then wants to learn the next one. And then I actually, we were driving by a golf course and I started using golf as an analogy, which is so easy in sales to use golf analogies. But the number of things that you have to do in order to be determined to hit a ball into the middle of the fairway, 250 yards or more, off of the tee shot. The number of things you have to do right, it's not one or two. It's probably like 21 different things, the way that you turn your body, turn the wrist, lean down, bend your knees, bend the hips, swing the club, and strike the ball with the club on the sweet spot. And the beautiful thing and the reason why those of us that get frustrated with the game of golf is because we know we can do it. We just have to go out on the practice tee and practice our game to get good at it. That's why I always weed out the guys in sales; they're not willing to put the work in. I mean, you can use this analogy, and in, in, you know, Cedric, you and I do this all the time. You know, whether it's talking about uh, Jordan, uh, LeBron, you know, uh, Kobe, you know, the greats, um, they didn't just haphazardly get to where they got where they got to or where they currently are. It's a matter of being determined. And you know, this I think everything we talked about here today. Um, I, I think a lot of people can tie in some of the concepts into what they need to do to try to achieve whether you're an individual contributor, whether you're a sales leader. I'd like you to close things off today, Caesar, with one last question that I have for you. Not so much a question, but more or less uh, just kind of help us describe and, uh, and explain how you're uh, a big advocate of, of the transformation process. Mm-hmm. So what is the transformation process to get to Top Gun status? Hey, I want to be at Top Gun school. I want to achieve my goals. What does that transformation process kind of like look like? And I know that that's like an hour, you know, podcast in itself. So maybe you could kind of zone it in on five minutes and kind of put something out there to uh, be appetizing for the crowd.
2: Sure. So first of all, when we talk about transformation, we have a blueprint that starts with informing them on what the best-in-class processes are according to history, stats, and facts. And then we start to transform them, and then we start to conform them to a framework that allows them to create scalable, sustainable results, and then we hold them accountable to perform through accountability, metrics, the right types of areas that we focus on. But the transformative process really Is an art form because you have to basically look at what do we need to do to transform behaviors. Informing people on this is what you should do is one thing. Getting them to actually acknowledge, address, and apply is a whole different story. That's what we do best. The reason we do that best because we're not putting out something that focuses in on, hey, this is what we did when we were in my, you know, when when I was a sales guy. You should just do that. Just do what I did. We're not trying to scale circumstances and conditions, right? Right. We use history, stats, and facts. And this is why we are really good at what we do, to kind of pat ourselves on the back. We're not coming at it from a subjective place. It's all objective. History, stats, and facts says you should do this. And the reason that's important in the transformative process is because the way that you transform behavior is by changing the behavior. And the way you change behavior is by looking at the beliefs that form that behavior. And generally, the beliefs that form that behavior are the references. And if you can start to break down those references, it's like... The tabletop is the beliefs, and the the legs are the references. You start chopping those legs down. Sometimes we create these beliefs in our mind that have only one single leg, and it's pretty easy to chop it down. Remember, as a coach, you're looking for ways to set the stage for that player to perform. We want to make sure that we choose a proper destination. Here's the goal. You have a personal destination. You have a professional destination, or we'll substitute the word goal and objective. Here's where you want to get to. How do we get to there? I'm going to set the stage by identifying the obstacles i'm going to set the stage by identifying the blind spots, and i'm going to set the stage by helping you to think well there's four different types of obstacles four different types of blind spots attitude aptitude conditions and skills those and the are the blind four spots, types. that's
1: really i love that right because the blind
2: spots is what you know what you don't know is what you need to know right and right? here's the thing if someone says well i don't really have that level of determination you can't say that it's an ability issue That's not the obstacle. It's an attitudinal issue because you were actually, you were, you have demonstrated in your life that you, when you are determined can actually get to a destination. You've just chosen not to be as determined in this particular instance. So let's try to figure out why to wrap this whole thing up when it comes to what is the destination? Where do we want to go? Here's the issue that we see is that we have a lot of sellers out there, 80%, which are following a best practices approach. Uh, Within that 80%, most of them are checked out. Again, not what I say. Look at the Gallup polls. Look at the report that was done on the state of the American workplace. There's a lot of people that are very unhappy in their careers right now. Then you got the top sellers. Those top sellers are constantly being courted by other companies. And here's the thing. A lot of them have strong relationships and they've become farmers. We want to make sure that they challenge or we challenge their status quo and we help them to look for a different destination. We don't want them to be worried or concerned about how they're going to get back to the top of the leaderboard next year. And we do that by saying, we're going to get you to the top of your game. This kind of conflict or tension that exists between their goal of getting to the top of the leaderboard versus this new objective, top of their game, is a good type of tension. The tension that exists in terms of not knowing how to get there is a bad type of tension because it distracts from the mission let's go back to the reason why we're talking about top gun iceman and maverick 1968 the navy publishes the alt report did you ever read the alt report a-u-l-t it it was after the commander that was in charge of the particular thing anyway just uh, did you just ask me if i ever read the alt report yeah
1: no, Caesar. I have not read the alt uh, right. report. Sorry, I missed well, that one. <laughs> I,
2: this is a benefit, I guess, of like being around a guy like me because you, you know, know, know I love you because I love the stats. You're a stats guy, so bring it. This is it, right? Right. Here. So, so what what they found, right? This is what it concluded that uh, the failings of the. Actually, let's go back to the quote from uh, Rick. Heatherly, right? He said, during the Korean War, this is what, this is the whole premise of, of the Top Gun movie. During the Korean War, the Navy kill ratio was 12 to 1. For, for every 12 of their jets that, uh, that, that we shot, uh, they shot down one of ours. During the Vietnam War, that ratio fell to 3 to 1. Our pilots have become more dependent on missiles and they've lost some of the dogfighting skills. That's why Top Gun was created to teach air combat maneuvering or ACM. The reason why Top Gun was created was a direct response to the alt report. Two things happened. One was the Navy had their own response to it and then the Air Force had their response. The US Air Force concluded that the drop in ratios was due to technology. But on the flip side, you have the Navy saying, no, it's due to inadequate training. I mean, don't we see that today? That's why I love yeah. the movie because like you see, companies are like, oh, we don't have enough technology. We need more tools. We, we need more tracking. We need more stuff that gamifies the whole process and stuff like that right. versus we need more training. Well, what's the right answer? Uh, <laughs> you put me it the depend- spot. I know, I get it. And I, and I meant to do that, right? Never ask a question. You don't expect, the, the, you right. don't already know the response to. It depends. That's a short answer. It depends on the goal or the objective and the specific steps in the sales process that you're looking to improve. Depending, it depends on the type of marketplace. It depends on your product. If it's become commoditized, depends on the types of sellers. There's right. a lot of variables. But the longer term answer is it always comes down to People are the ones that are going to differentiate your solution in the Good marketplace. Yep. So you want to make sure, sure that like you can have the most advanced training in the world or the most most advanced cockpits in the world. Right. But in the same way that those cockpits, if you look at the cockpits from World War II, where they had a 12 to 1 ratio versus the cockpits in, in the Vietnam War, where they had a 3 to 1 ratio, the cockpits were absolutely more technically advanced. But right. all of that had taken their focus away from the air combat maneuvering, from the dogfighting skills. And that's a lot of what happens today with all 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 these tools out there. I'm all for gamification and for tracking and all the analytics and everything like that. And you could be determined that you need to have this system in place because it's going to create that 20% uplift that these companies, these tech companies that are into training now are saying it's going to do. But if you want what we bring to the table, an average of 26% sustained compound annual growth year after year after year, you got to get back to setting the stage for the people. And that goes back to what are we determining to do are we determining to just have a bunch of mavericks or are we determining to have a good mix of mavericks and icemen, favoring more icemen because we want consistent predictable results and our programs that we put out we follow the top gun methodology which is we've got to focus on improving the best of the best getting the best of the best trained under a program that is consistent with what top professionals across history have done that's the way you actually move the numbers
1: there you have it folks abc always be caesar so 90 seconds left on the play clock play clock caesar thank you so much for keeping this plane a thousand feet above the deck and being my wingman for today. Caesar was great. I really enjoyed this. Well, hopefully
2: uh, we won't have that many analogies uh, or metaphors and, on uh, uh, wingman <laughs> and stuff for the next one. And,
1: uh, and listen, if we can't <laughs> make it with this, maybe we can do a podcast on, on movie reviews. I think people are going to it. Perfect. Well, listen, we hope you all enjoyed the topic today. We we're able to get a grip on what Caesar and I were dishing out here on getting a grip on sales. Stay tuned as we drop new episodes every Thursday. For more information, check us out at pb4r.com. That's playbooks for results, pb 4 r r.com that is where you're going to find an archive of videos podcasts and other tools to help you stay on the top of your game look for us on itunes spotify iheart radio and wherever you get your podcast just please do us a favor subscribe rate and review all good things must come to an end and that includes our show for today my name is ep i bid you a good day and i thank you for lending us your ears right here on getting a grip on sales and now it's time to go crush it
0: Thanks for listening to the Playbook for Results podcast. For more information on virtual content and coaching designed to grow your business, please visit the Playbook for Results website at pb4r.com. You can follow Playbook for Results on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook just by searching for Playbook for Results or hashtag PB4R. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of getting a grip on growing your business with your playbook for results coaches, your virtual coaching and value creation specialists.